Um, so today, I'm excited for what the text is going to draw out for us today. And I'll just, I'll start off by saying this. If I sound a little preachy, if I step on your toes a little bit, that's a good thing, right? Scripture should step on our toes a little bit because if not, we're actually perfect and none of us are perfect. So if we read God's word and we're not convicted a little bit, we're probably either not reading it right or we're not reading it enough. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we don't like being convicted, I understand. So uh, we got a little ring, Paul, so just, you might turn me down. I'm, I'm a loud talker, so it's, it's okay. Um, so yes, I've been here at Calvary since uh, middle October, I think. My wife, Jana, who's running the lights for us today, um, she and I have been here since, I think our first Sunday was October 24th. And can I just say how thankful I am to be here, how thankful I am that you have welcomed me in. Um, brand new face. You let me do a bunch of new things to our stage. Um, you've let me change some things how we do. And I'm just so honored that you've trusted me with that. I'm so honored that you continue to come after all the changes. You don't throw anything at me. You, you, just, you just go with the wind. And I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, but yet, even though I've been here for a while now, I still feel like I barely know any of you. And I feel like you still barely know me, which is okay. Um, but I do want to share a little bit of my testimony before we dive into God's word today. I do want to share what, what a year has looked like for me up until this point, because July last year was a big turning point for me. So, uh, so last year, I was a part of another church. I was serving as the worship director at Crossroads Church of Benson. I love a lot of people there. Some of you have come from Crossroads. You're here now with us. And, um, so, and I, love, I love that church, right? I'm from Cary, so I'm more... I'm more this area, but I still love Benson. I still love all the areas out there. And uh, one of my favorite things to do when I was there was go to summer camp with our teenagers. Why? Because that was the only chance I got to be a kid again, basically. I got to, you know, wear shorts and t-shirts, run around, act like a fool every once in a while, you know, go to, go to the beach or go to fun little camps and everything and have a great time. So I went with our students I think we took about maybe 30 students last year to that summer camp. It was in South Carolina. We get back and we find out that, oh, somebody has COVID. Okay, well, before, for a year and a half, I had never gotten COVID. I was, I was still around people. I was still wearing a mask. I was, I was being very respectful, but I was still around people. But for some reason, I thought I was better. And so I thought, I'm immune from COVID. COVID can't touch me. But I got COVID. So, um, <laughs> So around July 4th, I started feeling a fever. I started getting hot, and uh, basically my wife and I went to the, the, the FAST clinic. It was actually the clinic here in, in Fuquay. Huh. Um, and so we, we went. They said, no, you don't have COVID. Okay, cool. I can do whatever I want. And then a couple days later, I'm feeling sick again. We go back. Oh, you do have COVID. Oh, okay. So I don't know what those tests are about. They cram like a two-by-four up your nose. <laughs> And you can't tell me I had COVID the first time, so I had to endure it twice, and that might just be punishment for sin. I, I've still yet to understand. But anyway, so I get COVID, but it wasn't bad, right? How many of you have got, just got COVID um, in the last two years? Yeah, a couple of us. Wow, not everyone. Praise the Lord. How many of you lost your taste and smell? Yeah, well, I didn't. So anyway, so anyone still experiencing that loss a little bit? Anyone lose their, never mind, we won't, go, we won't get into that, we don't have time. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't lose my taste or smell, I just had a fever. And I normally don't get sick. I, was, I actually pride myself 
And I, I think it's one of the first things I told my wife when we were dating is, I don't get sick, so you don't have to take care of me. It's okay. And so even with the fever, she didn't have to do too much. It wasn't too bad. But um, I believe it was July 8th. It was a Saturday. Um, I was struggling with my fever. I, was, I remember shivering, um, waking up at 3 a.m., and I, just, I remember just getting up, walking around, not really understanding what I was going to do. Went to the bathroom. I didn't need to use the bathroom. I just went in there just because I, I don't know. I don't know. And so I remember staring in the mirror and going, I don't feel good. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm on the ground looking up, and my wife is on the phone with 911. Apparently, I had passed out. I had, and <laughs> she didn't know I got out of bed. So all of a sudden, who, Jana is a very skittish person. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, she hears, boom! And she's like, Matt. Oh, he's not there. <laughs> I just spilled all my water. <laughs> That's what I get. Uh, <laughs> and so apparently I had passed out. Thankfully, the, I was, and I think I was right, I was on the side of the toilet, so I'm looking up. You never want to be on the side of a toilet for anything, and I'm going, what is happening? And my blood was, or my nose was all bloody, and apparently I had hit the wall, I had hit something, and just blood pouring down my face. I'm going, what is going on? Right? I didn't party in college, so I don't know what it is to black out and all that good stuff. So this is a new, this is a new thing for me. And so she's on the phone. She calls the paramedics. Paramedics come. They come look at me. They come check my vitals. They're thinking, you're just dehydrated, right? How much you've been eating? Not much. Okay. So they're thinking I'm dehydrated, so... Um, then they asked me, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, no way, right? And any of you doctors or nurses or whomever out there, praise God for you. I just don't want to see you. I don't want to see you in your place of work because um, hospitals scare me. Um, I've had my tonsils removed. I've had concussions before, so I just don't like to be in a hospital. So they said, do you want to be in a hospital? I said, ask the boss. So they would go to talk to her. Apparently, while they were asking her, I started to pass out again. Um, so like, you're going. Anyways, long story short, they take me first time in an ambulance. Not that fun. Um, first time, in, they take me to the ER, and then uh, doctors come, put me on this bed. They're like, hey, we think you're dehydrated. We're going to pump some fluids in you, and we're going to get you out of here in like two hours. I said, that's perfect. Can we do it in one? Okay. Um, and so the last thing I remember is they leave the room. And I remember sitting there staring at these, like these lights, um, better be careful. Um, I remember staring at the ceiling lights and all of a sudden I remember from, the, from my toes to the top of my head, this electric shock fell over my body. And next thing I know, I'm waking up to like 30 doctors in a room and I hear a lady going, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Uh, and apparently I had gone into cardiac arrest for three minutes. I was out for three minutes, and my wife hates it when I share that at parties because I have an upper story. They say, well, I've done this. I go, well, I was dead for three minutes, so you're not that impressive anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, they took that as an alarm. So apparently what COVID was doing was COVID was attacking my heart. It was normally it attacks the lungs. That's why people have some breathing issues. But for me, it was actually attacking more my heart, and so it was causing me to black out. And so... Um, I had to stay in the hospital. I stayed in the hospital for several days, miserable. I know why I still hate them. And um, you know, long story short, I had to quarantine for what seemed for like the whole month of July. And uh, at the end of the day, when, when COVID left my body, my heart was fine. Because they were even saying stuff like, we might have to put a pacemaker in you. 
Um, they're putting all these things going. I'm 29 years old. My grandfather, who's 95, just got one a couple years ago. What? Anyways, but praise God, he healed me from everything. He kept me safe because I, I legit thought that there was a possibility that I might leave this earth. From a virus, I didn't, very, I didn't really fear that much. I, don't, I still don't fear it, but I definitely have a respect for it. I don't want it again. But I say that, so I missed four Sundays from my church, and so I say that all to say that the number one thing I hated the most of the whole process, right? I passed out, my heart was in danger, all these things. The number one thing I hated the most was I hated that I missed gathering with my church. And that might sound super spiritual, but it's, it's really not. It was I missed the gathering so much. It broke me inside to be apart from my people. And the same thing would happen if I was apart from you guys for four straight weeks. I can barely stand to be gone for one Sunday. I love it here so much. I love you guys so much. And I'm so thankful that I'm here. But you know, COVID did a number on the church. Statistic came out last year in April, said that one third of practicing Christians stopped attending church. One third. I don't know, I think, and I think that was just an American stat. So who knows what other countries were facing, but one third of our Americans were stopped going to church. Stop meeting, and I'm gonna say this a lot this morning, you're gonna hear me say the word gathering because I think sometimes when we say church, we're misinterpreting what we're actually saying because we don't go to church, we are the church, amen? We are the church, so we come to the gathering, the church gathering is what you wanna call it. So we come to this place, and so one third of Americans have stopped coming, whether it be through fear, whether it be to church hurt, whether it be to hypocrites in the church, whether it do with all these pastors who are failing us. Let me tell you, when Ravi Zachariah, all that stuff came out, I was broken. When some of these other pastors came out, I'm broken saying, is anyone good? Is anyone actually being a pastor? But can I say, praise God, I believe and trust that our pastor is being faithful. But there's so many who are failing, so many who are, who are being corrupted. And so for so many of us, we have to wonder why. Why would I still come to a place that might be full of hypocrites, right? Even me, I'm a sinner. I'm gonna lie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, still gonna sin until the day I die. That's just because my flesh is the same with all of you. So why would we come together? What's the purpose, right? We just upgraded to a nice camera. We have live stream, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, all these things. Why, what's the purpose of coming together? And so I keep asking myself that question, why, right? Why? And I think for us as a church, we know what to do, right? We know where to go, we wake up, we come, get our coffee, meet, meet two people and that's it. We get our hand, hand sanitizer, get in our seat, sing, hear the word, get out, right? Go to kickback shacks or wherever you wanna go. We know what to do, but my question is, do you know why you do? Have you ever wondered, why do you come? We don't, do we have to, right? We have Zoom calls, we have FaceTime, we have more access to video connections than we ever before, so why do we still come? Why is this important for us? Why can't we do this all from the comfort of my couch? You know, for, for those of you who were online for so, many, for, for so many months, you got to wear your PJs and just watch it on TV. That probably felt really good for a while. <laughs> All right, you're like, this, this is not too bad. I wish church was a little more like this. 
but that would be inappropriate uh, if we came in our PJs. It, yeah, we're not going to get into that. But so the thing that I want us to understand today, the thing that I want us walking away from is why do we gather? Because the gathering is important. The gathering is. Why? Because, and this is going to be on our screen, we are always better together. Right? We are always better together. And we recently just started up a college young adult ministry, and the title of the ministry is, is called Better Together. Right? A, a good pastor of mine uh, said this years ago when he's talking about the church, and I loved it, and I stole it. And I said, that's like such a good thing. We are always better together. And for some of us introverts out here, we're going, uh, I like being alone. <laughs> I like separating myself. I don't know if I'm better together. I'm better as one. But I believe God is reminding us this morning, he's, and through our scripture, he's going to show you that you are better together. Right, because at the end of the day, shouldn't our church doors be busting open with people trying to get in? Have you ever wondered why is it so hard to get people to come in? Why is it? It's harder than ever in America. Probably not other parts of the, of the world, but it's harder than ever to get people in the doors. And I think it's because we lost our why. We lost why we do this. So we are going to look to Scripture this morning um, and, and I'll just say this, I'm not an intellect like Pastor Jackson. He is one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. I'm not a theologian like Pastor David. I'm just me. And so today we're just going to walk through scripture. We're going to understand what it says, and we're going to just hopefully apply it to our lives. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're in the book of Hebrews, and we're in chapter 10. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 19, it'll be through verse 25. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, we have it on the screen for you right behind me. Um, Anna's doing a great job. I think it's her, it's her first Sunday running the slides. She's doing a great, I think she just freaked out that I said her name from the stage. But she's doing a tremendous job uh, for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, read this with me today. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, I love how Scripture calls us to have confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he had opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, right? We're, we're being reminded of the sacrifices of the cross, the sacrifices of the crucifixion that Christ did for you and me. And look at this. Um, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a heart and full assurance of faith, right? full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with, with pure water. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Are you grateful that the Lord that you serve is always faithful? He will never fail us. And here are our two main verses this morning. For those of you who were with Pastor Scott with us last week, he read about a billion verses. I'm only gonna read a few this morning, so... Don't worry, we'll have you out of here before 1 p.m. We'll see. Um, and let us consider, right, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some by, end, by encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can we pray? 
Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this church gathering. I thank you so much for what we have sung. Thank you for the teenagers who led us in worship. Thank you for Wendy. Thank you for all of our um, production team. Thank you for our children's uh, volunteers, our first impressions, um, and all, all the ones who are not with us this morning. Father, would you speak um, through your word this morning? Would you use us to, uh, to, would you open up our eyes to see what your scripture is trying to call us to? And would you remind us that you want us together? That is your purpose for your church, Lord. Uh, we want to give you glory and honor and praise, and we say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today I have three points for you. Not too many. Three points for us on why, is it, why it is important to gather as a church. Why is it so important for us to do this? And here's the thing. I, I forgot to say this. Gathering on Sunday morning does not necessarily mean you're part of a church. Right? There's so much more than just the Sunday morning gathering. Right? We have life groups. We have D groups. There's a teen, there's youth group. There's kids church. There's now college adults. Some of our legacy seniors, you guys meet in Bible studies right before this. That's amazing. I'm so encouraged that even where you're at in life right now, you still want to learn the Bible. You are such an encouragement to us. And just because you show up on Sunday does not necessarily mean you're part of the church. And just, right, because serving and showing up are two different things. Showing up and connecting are two different things, right? So I want you to see the purpose is not just to get you to come more on Sundays. The purpose is to get you more connected, right? And if this is the church family for you, we want to get you connected to Calvary Raleigh because I believe God is doing amazing things and will continue to do amazing things here. So our first point this morning is worship is corporate in nature, right? Worship is corporate in nature. still some in there. Um, worship is corporate in nature. So we are worshipers, right? And here's the thing. You might, some people go, I don't know if I'm a worshiper. Well, you worship something. Your actions in your life, the things that you say, the things that you do, acknowledge that you worship something. Now, for, for all of us, we're hoping that we're worshiping God with what we're doing. But for some of us, some of our actions portray that we're worshiping ourselves, but we're worshipers in nature. God is calling us to be worshipers, right? John 4, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, he says that God is looking for worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. And you know, the, great, the best part about this is that God is actually inviting us to gather and worship, right? Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we think, oh, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you into this place. No, no, no. God is actually inviting us into this place. He is calling us to come together. Psalms 47, 5 says, God has one up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet, right? He is declaring, he is inviting, he is the, like the Pied Piper playing his instrument and calling you to come together. Right before, before Christ, God would bring his people for celebrations and festivals. Right At some point, we, we thought that church had to be very solemn. Right? You had the monks who just sat there and chanted. Oh, God's rev. God is exciting. He, he put on these parades, these festivals. His people, the Jews, the Israelites, they would, they would celebrate who God was. There's so many. Um, the word praise in Psalms is repeated over a hundred times. 
And in the Hebrew, when it's translated, some of those words, praise, actually translates into dancing, translates into shouting, translates into festivals, translates into clapping, right? We hate to clap sometimes. Translates into just this it's, it's, it's triumphant sound, right? God is calling us to come together for this triumphant sound. So we know one voice compared to a hundred voices sounds a lot different. Right, so God is not saying, I just want the one voice. He wants every voice because he is worthy of praise. He is worthy to be acknowledged. He is worthy for you to take time out of your day and say, God is so good and I am not. He loves me. We were taught as children, or at least I was, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God is inviting us to come together. And since the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and thousands heard him in their own language, right? After that day, the believers would come and meet together on a regular basis, right? The early church in Acts, I love studying that early church because they were on fire for God, right? It was very, it was very close to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And so these apostles, they knew that their mission was to gather a church, is to disciple make is to evangelize is to go spread the good news but at some point we we lost the fire right think about it how church structure used to be so many of us remember church was sunday morning sunday evening wednesday evening maybe you had choir practice maybe you had a bible study here and there but at some point we just said sunday is almost a little too much sunday morning is about all i can give but the early church in acts couldn't get enough of each other. And why? I had to ask myself, why? Why is it so different for us? Well, they were, they were on the verge of persecution and we're on the verge of freedom. And so I think for many of us, we have taken that freedom we have in America and we've abused it, right? We should actually be meeting more because we are free to, but yet we go, I'm okay. Uh, let's sleep in today. It's online. Uh, too much. We'll skip Bible study this week. And let me encourage you, there, my father has taken me to so many countries, and I've seen so many brothers and sisters who are in hiding, pursuing and being faithful to, to this scripture, to the word of God, to God himself, who might be killed if the government found out, but yet they're not forsaking the gathering. I found this interesting, the English word for corporate, right? Worship is corporate in nature. The English word Corporate is derived from the Latin word corpus, right? We hear corpse a lot. Meaning, corpus meaning the human body. So an experience is corporate if it's a matter of belonging to or being united in one body, right? The church is that body, right? We are referred to in scripture as the body of Christ, every member having its purpose. So we're supposed to come together, right? We're supposed to be together. But I believe the Western Christian Worship model has been led to believe that you should define yourself by your individualism, right? It's more about, I'm coming into church today, it's just about me, don't talk to me, don't touch my hand. It's me and Jesus, right, me and Jesus. And then as soon as church's done, I'm out of here. Don't touch me, don't talk to me. Some of you are laughing because that might be you. All right, don't look at me. Right, and this is from a man who has a very introverted wife. 
and she loves to just hide behind me. She, I think she likes how much bigger I am than her because she can hide behind me in circum- certain circumstances. Okay. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. When we started believing in our individualism, I think we started believing in what we wanted mattered most. Right? When we believe it's about us, me as an individual, it's all about, well, I don't like this music. <laughs> I don't like that preaching style. I don't like what he's wearing up there. I don't, that's not for me. Churches, and when we start to make it more about us, the church starts to get torn apart and become something it wasn't meant to be. Pride and, and, and this idea is about me is starting to tear us apart, right? How many church bodies have been torn apart because it became about more about who I am and not about who we are? True corporate worship is what happens when the body of Christ assembles, right? Assembles to hear with one heart and speak with one voice the words, praises, prayers, petitions, and thanks fitting the Christian worship, right? So when we come together, it's no longer about you. It's no longer about Pastor Matt. It's not about Pastor David. It's not about any of us. It's about him. And through his Holy Spirit, he has the ability to crazy amount of power to unite us with one spirit. If you have the living of God living inside of you, you can connect with each of us and we then can come together with one purpose, to praise and worship our Savior. Right? Be reminded of Matthew 18, 20 where it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Right? Jesus is present with us this morning. And it's hard to understand because we can't see him. He resides in the spiritual realm. But he's here. And we can feel him moving. I can feel, I felt him moving in our worship this morning. He wants to come alive, but he, he needs to work with all of us together, right? We need to come together. Which leads me to my second point. There is strength in accountability. There is strength in accountability. And for some of us, we don't like that word accountability, right? How many of us have gone on a diet and we said, hey, keep me in track. You know, keep, I'm not touching that soda. I'm not touching that, that zebra cake. <laughs> Those things are really good. <laughs> that was from a deep place. Um, <laughs> Right? We say, keep me in track, but then, oh, I'm really hungry. I need some sweets. I need some carbs. I just won't tell them, right? We, but the accountability is there to men to say, hey, fatty, stop it. <laughs> go get the celery. Go get the carrot. Go eat the chicken breast. Get away. Get away. But we hate that. Why? Because our flesh desires so much bad stuff, right? Right? Curse the one who ever created fast food. Curse the one who ever showed us that food could be really good, right? Well, not curse them, maybe. There's, there's some times, but accountability is what we need, and there's strength, right? There's strength in accountability. Remember what our passage in Hebrews said in verse 24. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
right? It's not just talking about, let me consider what I need for myself. It's saying, no, I am looking out after you, after you, after you, after you, right? All of us together, we're considering how to stir up. And I'm such a visual learner. Immediately when I read this, I think about my mom making sugar cookies for Christmas, right? She has a big old bowl, and she's, she's taking a big wooden spoon, right? And she stirs the ingredients, right? How to stir up one another to love and to good works. And I, it's a silly analogy, but it led me down the path thinking about, you know, there's, there's eggs sometimes. I don't know how to make cookies, forgive me. But there might be eggs, there might be flour, there might be sugar, um, maybe if you want to throw some chocolate chips in there or peanut butter or whatever you want in your cookies, right? You put all, the, all these individual ingredients, right? Different, right? Different flavors, different textures come from a different animal. All these things put into one bowl and then stirred together. That's what God wants for you and me. Every individual, who you are. He doesn't want you to be who I am. He wants you to be who you are. But he wants you to come together and encourage each other, keep each other accountable, stir up one another. Why? To love and good works, right? Keep us, keep the standard high. When we separate ourselves, it becomes so increasingly easy to forget that we need each other, right? When we had to quarantine for what it seemed like a century, right? For a while, it's like, well, I'm with my family. Isn't this all I need, right? I got my TV, my lazy boy. This is good. And when we, when we separate ourselves, we forgot how good it is actually to be here together. We forgot that iron sharpens iron. And just like any blade, if you don't sharpen it, eventually it becomes dull and useless. So we need to sharpen up each other. This is God's word says, stir up one another. I have this in bold, so I need to say this. Forsaking the gathering as a priority for our families, I believe, has led us to weaken our standards on righteousness and disciple-making. And here's where I think we might step on a couple toes here, but I'm not trying to be on a soapbox or anything. I'm just saying what I see, right? I'm just saying what I see from my own life. When we forsake this, when we forsake the Bible studies, the life groups, all these things, when we forsake the gathering, all of a sudden, the standards of what we knew of righteousness and disciple-making and evangelism, all these other things, starts to weaken because we no longer are encouraged to pursue. We're no longer encouraged to do. Right? Pastor Jackson encouraged slash convict us about when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time? We need people in our life saying, when did you share Jesus with somebody? We need some, I need somebody in my life. You would be amazed, and I think my dad, Pastor David, so many who lived in ministry would be amazed how little people ask you how you're doing, how little people ask you how's your scripture reading going, how's your walk with Christ going, because we're supposed to have it all together. And I, I think from the news, we understand that most, most we need as much help, if not more. Right? We need to be encouraging each other. What have you been reading in God's word? Nothing. Well, can I encourage you that that's your source of life, right? Have you shared the gospel with somebody? No, I haven't. There's no opportunity. Well, do you go to work? Is there someone who doesn't know Christ? Yes. Well, I want to encourage you. Find a way to spread the gospel. This is what God is calling us to do. 
this is not a, and it's not Bible bashing either. This is not a, accountability partner does not mean you get to make fun of or say whatever you want about somebody. It's actually to lift up and encourage, right? God's word says this in, a, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other up just as in fact you are doing, right? We're here to encourage each other. This should be a place of joy and encouragement, but I've seen so many church bodies, right? And this might be where you're from. I've seen so many church bodies where they have beaten down people because they're not exactly who they, they want them to be. That's not what we desire. We desire for you to be built up, for you to be encouraged, for you to be like Christ. James 5, 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When was the last time you shared what you're struggling with with somebody other than your spouse? When was the last time you embraced somebody in this room as an accountability partner? We can't do that if we forsake gathering together. We can't do that if you come once a month. If you're part of your life group for once a month, right? This is family. We have to connect. That's why we started our young adults ministry because we saw a lot of these young adults just doing life on their own. We said that has to stop. They're at a crucial time in their life where they're deciding who they're going to be for the next 50 years. We want to come alongside of them and encourage them but show them who Christ is and who Christ wants them to be. And think about this. Who is the world trying to get the most right now? It's your children. They want to manipulate and tell your children exactly what, what they want them to hear, not what you want them to hear, not what Christ wants them to hear, right? We live in a country where this is so pure, this is pure evil. We live in a country where we have somebody in leadership telling us to encourage our children to take puberty blockers and, to, and force their children to have sex reassignment surgery. That's the country we live in. But yet, we decide we're going to forsake gathering together so that we can, we can fight this evil. We can encourage our children, encourage them about Jesus loves them. He formed them in their mother's womb. They are perfect as his creation. But yet, they need to accept him as their savior. And the world's saying, no, 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 no. You're perfect just the way you are. Come on, come on. Oh, wait, no, actually, you might need a change here. Oh, you're, you're this. And this is, so, this is so passionate for me because it affects my own life. Right, this, this issue here is so meaningful to me, and I think we need to step up. We need accountability. We need each other. We're here to hold each other up, not to beat each other down. And here's the thing, we will always be as strong as our weakest link. But if we aren't caring for our weak and our lost, our hurting, our suffering, we cannot be strong together. Right? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And if we're sake, forsaking ours, then we're weak. We're losing our power. And so we need to be caring for each other, which leads me to my third point, the very last point this morning. The reason we need to gather together is the enemy is prowling and waiting. The reason this is so important is because the enemy is prowling and waiting. 
Listen to 1 Peter, verse 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. If you would put uh, verse 8 back up, let's just put that on the screen for right now. Your adversary, the devil, right? Satan, as we know him, is prowling around like a roaring lion. And we can't see him. Just like Christ, he lives in the spirit realm. But he is waiting. Right? I thought it was so, I thought it was so interesting that the author decided to reference Satan like a prowling lion. And so for me, I, once again, I'm a visual learner, so I had to research how lions hunt. What, what do lions do? I watched some sermons. I, I read some things. And, and here's kind of three things that kind of help me understand what the author's trying to, get at, trying to get at with. First things first, that lions are nocturnal when they usually hunt, right? Normally, they hunt in the darkness. Why? Because no one can see them, right? And we know from Scripture that the darkness is Satan's dwelling place. But praise the Lord, the word of God says, but even the dark is light to you. So there's not, we're not in fear necessarily, but we know that if we find ourselves in a dark place, guess who's right there waiting? If you've ever felt shame, if you've ever felt depressed, if you've ever felt anxiety, if you've ever felt just suicidal even, if you've ever felt this darkness coming around you, right, he is waiting right there. And normally those places are when you're by yourself, when you're alone. When you're, when you're alone at the house, you're alone with the computer, you're alone with a stranger, you're, you're alone with anything, right? He's waiting, he's, he's lurking. He's looking at you saying, yes, 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 do, 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 do. Why? Because he's looking for your total destruction. He is looking to devour. He lost the battle on the cross, praise God, but yet he's trying to take anyone down with him. He knows what's coming, but he's trying to take down every single one of us with him because he is pure evil. He has manipulated so many, devoured so many, brought with him so many. He dwells in the darkness. This is his domain. Lions are nocturnal. Lions are also, this is a kind of a made-up word. Lions are perivisual. What does that mean? So researching, and some of you might have been on a safari before, so you kind of know this, but if you go on a safari in Africa, right, they'll take you in a big old truck, and there might be 20 of you in the truck, and so they'll take you right up next to these lions. Lions will be right here, right beside you, and a lot of testimonies from people are going, why are are we safe, right? We're, I could literally touch him if I wanted to. What are we doing here? And the guys will, will, will encourage and say, no, 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 don't worry. The lions will never attack the truck, right? Lions actually see just the truck. They don't see the people inside the truck. That's how their vision, they only see the truck. So maybe it's like an elephant to them. Maybe it's like a big boulder to them. They don't understand it. They'll actually use a truck to hide behind and maybe attack somebody else. But they don't see the truck. But... There are so many instances where people have left the truck. They step away from the truck, maybe to get a better uh, shot of the, the lion, and then the lion sees the one person, and they attack. 
And I hope you understand where I'm going with that. Is that in this place, right? Lions actually don't attack the herd, right? And antelopes or whatever else lions eat, I don't know. Um, water buffalo if they live in Africa, something. But lions actually don't attack a group or a herd. They'll wait for the weakest or the youngest to depart. And that's when they attack. So I hope you understand where I'm getting at with this. When we depart from this, right, when our children, when the weakest ones, when the ones who aren't spiritually as strong as some of us, when they depart from this place, Satan is there ready to attack. And that might be you this morning. You might say, that makes a lot of sense because every time I leave this place, all I have is darkness, all I have is depression. There's nothing good that I can think of because Satan is waiting for you to leave this place. He's waiting for you never to come back. He's saying, you don't need those people. You don't need them. They're such hypocrites. They are just fools. They don't want you. They don't love you. He's saying, get away. You don't need them. When in fact, we do need each other. This is a safe place, right? Because here's the thing, we already said this in Matthew 18, 20, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. So Jesus is here, so Satan can't touch this space. Amen? Satan cannot come into this because what is Christ is Christ alone. Satan can't touch it. But when you separate from that, when you enter the darkest, enter these places, he's ready. He's anticipating. Third, lions are also territorial. And it says, so interesting, he says that the lion, like, like, there's the verse, he prowls around like a roaring lion. You know what the purpose of a roar from a lion is? Is to intimidate you to run away from the territory. Right, you hear this big boisterous roar and all of a sudden you, you're scared. You know what a lion is, you don't wanna be there so you run away. Satan is trying to manipulate each and every one of us to run away and to not embrace this to not understand why we need this. He's trying to intimidate you. He's trying to remove yourself from the safety of the gathering. But church, I'm not here to be a scare tactic. I'm not here to give you fear. I'm here to encourage you, right? Because 1 Timothy 1.7 says this, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. But if you... If you've experienced darkness, anything like I have, you understand that that's hard to remember by yourself. Right? God is so good, but I'm so weak. And sometimes I forget. Sometimes we talked about this morning in our prayer huddle before you guys came uh, into the auditorium this morning. We talked about waking up and reminding ourselves what we're thankful about because that points our attention on Christ. Because when we don't, we're focused on us focus on the things that we don't have, the job I don't have, the money I don't have, the cars, the, the marriage, the anything that I don't have. We're focused on that. And Satan loves it. He loves it, and he's ready for you to embrace that instead of this. We need to be reminded of all these truths all the time because it will always be dangerous when we don't. So my encouragement, if you learn nothing this morning, if you heard nothing this morning, if, you, if you're writing down notes, write this down. Don't forsake the gathering. Embrace it. Don't forsake what we're doing in this place. If you have to drive an hour 
to get to a good gathering, do it. If you have to drive two hours to get to a good gathering, do it. If you have to sacrifice things in your life to be a part and connected to a church that encourages you and holds you up and keeps you from fleeing to Satan, do it. Right? What is the statistic about? I think it's 0.28356 about that's the percentage that your child is going to become a professional athlete. So is that sports league more important than keeping them a part of the gathering, right? Pastor Jackson is an amazing youth pastor. He teaches and preaches the word every single week. He lives a righteous lifestyle. Why would I not want my kid following that than listening to that coach cuss my kid out every hour? And once again, this is not a soapbox opportunity for me. This is an opportunity to me encourage you saying, yeah, there's great things to experience in life, but there are also better things to experience in this life. And God gave you the church to experience better things. What are we just saying? Oh, there's nothing better than you. We experience them together when we come together. There's nothing greater than that. Now, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church all my life. From a baby, I was in church. And yeah, there were times when I was bored. There was times when I did not want to go. That was me as a child, right? So many of us have that joke that I had a, dr- a drug problem when I was a child. I was drugged to church. It's a horrible joke. But praise God for the parents who do drug their kids to church. Parents, your kids need Jesus more and more and more and more today because there's schools he's not there even some of your Christian schools I don't know I see the fruit that come out of some of these going was Christ a part of it your, your college kids parents they need some kind of gathering don't if they hate you if they're so tired of hearing let, the, let you be a broken record to them but they'll be so grateful if they're a part of it one day. And you, parents, you adults, please take your vacations, take your rest, do whatever you need to do, but do not forsake gathering with your church body. And it's not about hearing me, it's not about hearing the, none of, it's about gathering for the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.